Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Okay, before we start the show, I just want to have a little bit of an update on episode 30 with Dylan Reef. We were discussing Final Cut and basically how Apple hadn't provided a solution for getting 7 to X. This was raised by a listener on the Facebook page, Jeff Richardson, and he rightly said that there is a product that does it. What I was meaning is that Apple didn't provide that solution. There is a product available which will do this. It's called Cento-X and it's by Intelligent Assistance. I've known about this since it launched because Philip Hodgetts, who used to be the show, um, host of the Digital Production Buzz, it's his company that have made this. My argument was really that Apple never provided a solution. That said a lot to me about how Apple operates, where when they have a new product, there is no bridge to the old product that they provide. So in order to get your 7 to X projects, you literally need to buy a third-party application. I feel that Apple could have made an easy-to-use droplet and provided that free to their customers. So that was my point. Thank you so, so much, Jeff, for raising it. Completely right, there is a way of doing it. I think that I didn't articulate that at the time, and I should have, that there is a solution. I just feel like it's frustrating that Apple didn't provide that for their loyal customers, really. With that, let's jump into today's show. Hope you really enjoy it. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hi everyone and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we explore different areas of professional video industry for film, TV, online and so much more. This week we're looking at creating online content and communities for dads. I think as a parent myself, this is something that's really special to me and has touched my heart with the work that these two guys have been doing. So, Will Fleming, Greg Buckley... Thank you both for being on the show today. This is awesome. This is fantastic. Hello. Thanks for having us, man. Will's voice might be a little familiar to people. <laughs> yeah, I was the guy who, uh, I'm actually Morgan Freeman, and the, <laughs> and the penguins walk down the road. If you listen to episode zero of the Pro Video Podcast, Will helped me at the launch of my of this podcast a lot, and he actually interviewed me. And so, um, yeah, way it's back true. at zero. And we should do a follow-up one day. What I love about you, dude, is that you care all the hours you put in making this podcast work, you never tell your audience. It's like you have this artistic streak which says, never let them know. You know, it's like the swan on top is swimming and under leg, underneath the legs are kicking. And that's you, dude. You're a beautiful swan. Yeah, well, I'm glad <laughs> I'm to be. I'm the love. <laughs> I'm glad to be floating above water. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> no, it, it's been an epic journey for me. And uh, I think that that's something that you said to me. It's like um, what you're interested in helping new podcasters launch is seeing that journey unfold for mm. them. So thank you so much for oh, that. Dude, thank you for just being open to be honest and going on a roller coaster. Because sometimes when you're swimming, you do dunk under for a while. But the key is to just pop back out, you know, yep. and, and you're doing that, bro. So I'm stoked to be in your circle. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, got you guys on the show today because you've been producing a lot of content. And I'd just like, Greg, maybe if you could sort of outline for the listeners what Rad Dads is. Well, the, Rad Dads is a lot of things. Um, but I guess plainly put, there's the right way, there's the wrong way. Um, and then there's the dad way, which depending on what you're doing can be any combination of right and wrong. And I guess Rad Dads is really a celebration of that. The fact that there's 
literally hundreds of thousands of dads out there that are getting out, going to work every day, doing the best with, with what they've got to, to stay on the right side of the missus, to do right by their kids, and to really just have a good crack at being a, as good a parent as they can. We kind of felt like that that was, that was a group of guys that were possibly both by um, by default but also by nature kind of f- flying under the radar a bit. And we wanted to say, hey, guys, stop. I guess give them a pat on the back, celebrate them, give them some encouragement because I think it's it's how how funny is it that parenting is one of those few things in life that doesn't come with an instruction manual. And we don't profess to have the instruction manual, but funny things happen when you get dudes talking, laughing, eating, kind of hanging out around a similar sort of uh, topic. You know, you begin to fire off ideas, you know, to and from each other. And um, I guess that's where some of the magic happens. We see the guys in our community just taking the strangest and smallest little bit of tidbits of encouragement or um, hope or whatever it is just from being around other dudes that are just trying to figure it out. And along the way, we've we've had the pleasure of talking to some pretty high-profile high dads. But also, we're equally about the guy who's just had um, first baby for the first time and is looking down going, how on earth do I figure this out? It is. It's it's by the every dad for the every dad. Yeah, yeah. And I've been a part of the community, I think, right from the start on Facebook, which I was privileged to, to be part of it. And and that support that's there for fathers um, who are at different stages of parenthood. There was one guy in particular who was really struggling with a newborn baby who felt like the baby wasn't connected with him. And then seeing that, you know, there is no answer to it, but having, feeling the same stories come from others and knowing that that's a stage and it changes mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, and to stick with it and connect with that newborn, that was really powerful to see a community coming in with that support for that guy yeah and kind of hoped for but non-intended you know we actually just wanted to post our dad videos and build a community to try and get views and then we've recently greg and i've been looking at each other saying hey man this is deeper there's this whole underbelly of fatherhood which you know doesn't want to talk about the rugby, doesn't want to talk about booze and fighting. They just want to talk about real stuff like, hey, what time do your kids go to bed? And it's those things that, you know, honestly, we're just quite shocked really at how fast this little, uh, I guess, community is growing. And, you know, there's there's dad rules, so just don't be a dork. And, and, And actually, like, you would feel weird if you were a troll in that environment. Oh, because. You know, I pose questions that sometimes, you know, men outside of that environment might go, oh, that's all that feeling stuff. The other F word. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, and, you know, we've got some pretty grunty dudes in our our dad community, you know, some giant beard men just towering on seven foot and they're talking about, you know, being home with their kids and, and keeping it real. So that's one of the best things about social media that sometimes us, you know, mid middle-aged people forget that that's yeah. a huge part of why the younger generation love it and it's one of those other interesting things just kind of going back to the why and and how it all kind of kicked off it's one of the both obviously will and i have a do have a background in production and, and what have you and you know truth be told you're on set and you're you're making or producing a particular uh, ad or television or whatever there there's a bit of a hierarchy there's you know there's the do's and don'ts and and that's largely functional but um 
it was really interesting for us to be a part of that environment for a number of years, but um, it seemed to be any time it kind of came to light that you were a, a parent, um, that was the ultimate leveler. That's where those bar- those barriers were broken down straight away, and all of a sudden, um, you had this this commonality with uh, someone that might be a whole lot higher up the food chain or or lower for that ma- that you know for that fact. And um, we just found it fascinating that it is. It's the ultimate leveler. It's the ultimate. Uh, I know what you're feeling. You know what I'm feeling. But also, we're all the same. And yeah. that, it was cool. It was, it's cool just to know that there is those things in life that that you know in a in a world full of social media posts and people trying to one up each other, there is still this thing that just brings it back down to to, to ground zero. Yeah, yeah. Definitely for all those freelancers listening in, if you've got children and you can um, find some potential employers who have children, there's a an instant topic to discuss <laughs> that's off the work that yeah, makes you relatable. So yeah, yeah definitely. Um, Draw that, draw that card out. So I'm going to talk about some of the content that you've made in a bit, but I'd really like to sort of just explore your backgrounds first because you're talking, Greg, that you've got a um, background in production. Yep. So um, mind sharing sort of uh, what your history has been? Um, I kind of fell into it by accident, to be honest. Um, uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine who, is, uh, who, who was a, a business partner of mine for the last 10 years, um, was working on a documentary on the prostitution law reform bill at the time, and I worked on Upper Queen Street in in Auckland, and I lived on Queen Street, so I walked through the intersection of Upper and Queen, uh, the K Road intersection every day. And I guess putting aside uh, your own personal views on the legitimacy of the the legislation, um, I had this really strange experience. It was you know I remember it incredibly vividly. It was a it was a cold Tuesday night in June, um, middle of winter. And it was it was about six o'clock, so it wasn't super late or anything. And it wasn't until I set a camera up and looked through the lens that I saw the thirteen-year-old girl being picked up uh, by the businessman on the way home from work. And it was in that moment that I went, "Wow, you know, life through a lens is incredibly different. The the ability to to almost stop time and space and to focus on this one thing, to explore the story that sits behind it. You know, what who who are they? What does it mean?" Why are we interested? Um, was just incredibly, incredibly powerful. So from there, I actually, ironically, kind of ended up teaching before I actually had a job in the industry. I was teaching it um, to at-risk young people in South Auckland. Uh, we set up a trust and we were doing sort of film-intensive workshops. So I, I learned by a proxy of kind of doing these jobs, and it was about trying to facilitate the same experience that I had with these young people. Um, slowly but surely, I... Um, I sort of basically Scott, the guy that I um, went out on the documentary with, he challenged me and sort of said, hey man, shall we set up a business? And being young and probably a little bit dumb and um, naive, I sort of went, oh yeah, how hard can it it be? And um, it was probably the the 10 hardest years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to carve out this nation whereby um, you know, we're able to make a living, and then all of a sudden, kids came along and what have you. But I do look back and go, you know, at the end of the day, uh, my business was started on course-related costs that I got from my student loan to buy a Mac that was going to be our first edit suite. Um, and over this course of ten years, that progressed into um, numerous incarnations of production companies. Got to got to travel um, throughout the South Pacific. Um, 
just to some insane places where I'd often pinch myself and go, how on earth did I end up here doing this? Um, you know, and never, never made millions, never necessarily uh, made it per se, but I still look back and go, you know, it was humble beginnings and it, it, it sustained and it has sustained my family for um, the past however long it's been and um, just had an incredible adventure along the way. And I think the biggest... Um, takeaway from that process for me has just been my kids have grown up in an environment whereby um, I feel incredibly blessed to have had a, a supportive wife that's gone you happy in what you're doing and feeling fulfilled is 10 times more important that than that extra 100 or 200 bucks a week that we might need and you're a far better dad for having been able to go out and try and often fail <laughs> Um, you're a, yeah, you're a, you're a better a, a better father for having been able to do that. So she's been incredibly supportive, and my kids have been able to see me go through that process, which I think is is awesome because I know that hopefully they'll approach life in the same sort of way. Yeah, that's um so much good stuff in there, and a supportive wife and partner for mm. those of us in the creative industries. That's that's massive because. Um, it's a choice by us to do something which we enjoy and engage mm. with, and it's usually a lot of hard work, but that's balanced with the, <laughs> the, the, the spark of energy that you get from yep. being creative. Yeah, it's funny. The amount of people, the amount of parents that come up and say to me, you know, oh, oh, what would you say to my, my kid that, um, <laughs> that wants to, to go on the same sort of journey? And I have to admit, my first response is, are you sure? <laughs> um, but that's, that's very quickly followed up by the fact that um, – yeah, if you've got that heart for it, if you know that um, you're not going to sit still and you need to scratch the itch and you would stop but nothing to scratch that itch and it doesn't matter what you're doing, you've at least got to go out and try. You've yeah. at least got to be able to go, you know what, I've got no skeletons. I don't look back and go, what if maybe I could have, I should have, I would have done that differently. Yeah, And I think that, that was the process for me. Yeah, and I, I really am a big believer about the process is making it. You know, you've yeah. made it because you're actually making it. I think sometimes we sort of have this um, end goal in mind. And the problem is that it's really, even if you do achieve it, you're missing out on the most important part with this, the process. Yeah, that, that destination mentality, I'll make it when, I'll make it if. You know, that just reminds me of you know, one of the biggest, single biggest senses of failure that we had was we had a, a, a TV show that was sitting right in the mix um, to be picked up by a, you know, a reasonably large international production company. We were right on the cusp. And then as the contract sat on the content director's desk uh, and it got pulled inexplicably from within sort of arm's reach, I'd felt like I failed. Um, but I had exactly that, that same epiphany. If it was a case of going, well, actually, it, it is. It's totally about the journey. And we're in, a, we're in an industry that's constantly changing. And um, if you're going to measure your success by those destinations, you are going to fail inevitably and probably sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I um, also really liked how you were talking about um, when you started out, you started by teaching um, I always feel that the best way to learn something is to have to teach somebody. <laughs> well, it's exactly the, yeah, that's absolutely right. I think you, you either got to be a, yeah to be able to stand up in, in front of a group of people and have the 
um, the authority or the the what's the word that I'm looking for the confidence the co- well, the, yeah, the confidence in what you're saying yeah. so why, why do we need to do this well you need to do this because dot 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 yeah um, and there's, I guess there's one thing to have to do that but there's another thing to be able to relay that information to a group yeah. of people that are looking at you going I need to know how to do this yeah and so going through that process was actually really good because I couldn't I could very quickly justify all of my decision making because I knew why we did it as opposed to how you know how often now are you in the middle of something and you've actually really got to stop and go so why do we do it that way because it's become so autonomous and you're not really engaged in the process anymore yeah and I often find myself because with my job I've got so many processes but I've got so many people that are involved in those processes but it's it's easy to not sort of reevaluate it because there is Mm -hmm. constant change sometimes it's really hard to um to steer the boat when it's a big boat in a new direction, but it's it's um, worth the pain sometimes if the improvements are there. But yeah, so Will, I want to talk about your career, yeah, mate, man. and um, and your experiences and how you've got here now. Isn't it funny when you self-reflect, um, you realise that jeepers, we've actually all done quite a bit, you know, and it's quite nice because something Greg raised is making it. It's like, what does that really mean, you know? If I think about uh, where I am now, uh, we have a house that we rent, there's a, f- a fridge full of food, um, the kids can join the rock climbing club and the gymnastics club, we've made it, yet we've got this grind that it will only be successful if we A, B, and C. So that's super important for uh, me to always think about, and I think a lot of your audience too will probably have some version of it. But where did I start? Uh, Look, I think I'm someone who, I'm the youngest by 10 years of my brothers and sisters. I'm also a child of the 80s. So growing up with television was a staple of mine. Uh, They were, it was back in the days where parents and aunties used to party, but there would be the lounge clean or clear for kids and so cousins and I would just you know watch Steven Seagal films Arnold Schwarzenegger films and you know like we didn't walk around saying bad words that they could hear but you know it was this obsession with movies and television shows and you know I still have it now with Netflix you know I love it so I did enjoy storytelling. I don't think I ever thought of being involved in that. I was just a passive viewer. Uh, I guess what changed my direction was I thought I was going to be a football player, a rugby player, and I kind of followed that dream until I had an injury. And when I was about 19, I I broke a few bones. And so I kind of came back to New Zealand. I was playing in the, the UK at the time, came back with my tail between my legs, and I thought I'll give a I'll give teaching a go which ironically I've looped back around but at the time I was 19 and and I had a a couple weird moments one moment was walking into a classroom as a 19 year old and thinking nah I don't know anything how am I supposed to relay any of information all I want to do is go party like you should when you're 19 you know and the second thing was there was this kind of weird shift like there still is today for males and females we're reimagining what those roles mean but there was someone saying oh look the blokes can't if a child is on the playground and falls over, you know, don't pick them up and take them to the sick bay because that might be seen as weird or strange. And I thought, you don't even know me, you know? That's why would you assume that I'm weirdo because I want to do that? So I just thought, look, maybe that's not the right thing for me. I can understand what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to have that human connection or 
you know teaching is you know a, a great a great gig but at that time uh, Lord of the Rings was kind of taking over New Zealand and a kind of group of people around me were like yeah let's get into films and do all that stuff and wanted to be Peter Jackson and all those type of things so I crossed over to that and obviously it's not that easy I was a bit bummed out with my uni because uh, I was like wait so we're writing all of these essays on the matrix what can I actually do you know how am I going to get a job and so that frustrated me but I started thinking before I finished that I need to look after my interests so uh, about a week or two before I finished I think Seek was already online then I was trawling through everything and uh, a, a job at Sky TV came up and it was called a media operator back in the day where you recorded on tapes and that was an entry level job and basically my job I was successful with it uh, was to record all the incoming satellite feeds it's a hard out job that you get you know crazily underpaid for but I look back and that was my start you know I got in there I uh, said the jokes to the manager, you know, made him coffee, whatever. But I was analyzing everyone around me, and that's probably one of my strengths is to analyze what everyone else is doing. But I saw a group of people who just came in, laughed, got the tapes they need, and buggered off. And I was like, who are those guys? Uh, and someone said, they're the people who make the promos. And I was like, ooh, what's that? And they're like, oh, don't even worry about that. No one ever leaves promos, you know. <laughs> and it's true. Sky TV, 10 years later, still got all the same promos team. But I had kind of identified a couple people I knew through school and stuff. And so I just was interested. Uh, as the cards played out, um, I wasn't successful in promos there. But I decided to restudy. I thought to myself, I've got my foothold in this industry – now what is it I want to do? And in my mind then, this is probably, you know, 2008 or nine. I knew that the idea of a one-stop shop was becoming more needed. So I could edit, I could understand footage because that's what I was doing. I didn't quite know how to write and tell stories, but I would rate myself as a storyteller just growing up on Superman films. Um... And, and the, the kind of game changer was going back to study. So I went to media design school and I did a 40-week diploma in visual effects and motion graphics because I thought to myself, if I can make my own graphics and edit my own footage, I'm basically a promo director. And so I did that and I'm not a great student, but I can hack my way through, you know, so I'm really good at connecting dots and just joining them up enough to not get blamed as plagiarism. <laughs> so I'm right on that edge where others are, you know, artistic and they can draw on that. I'm just really good at pulling things together. Uh, long story short, I came out of uh, media design school and my first job was at TVNZ, well, second job, uh, as a graphic designer because they also teach you Photoshop. And so I did cutting out the stuff for the news and putting it on backgrounds and that was cool but again analyzing who was around me and I saw those promo guys again and so I went and tried and met, met with them and who do I talk to and got a junior role there and that kind of took me up the chain a little bit did the same thing at TV3 and then the Korean shopping channel <laughs> came along and uh, there was a you know they're not around anymore but the idea was Korean-owned, New Zealand-owned shopping channel, and we want you to come and lead our editing team. And I thought, yeah, you know, you might get one or two times where a channel asks you to come in and design the processes and uh, cutting on avids and all those things. And 
that kind of went on for a bit. Uh, did some stuff in the background with Greg, just commercial uh, videography. And more recently, um, have been doing some lecturing at MIT in video. So totally agree with you. We, the best thing you can do is to show others for free what you think you're good at, and it will cut out all the BS, you know. Uh, the amazing thing for me is when you're talking to students, just the the lack of BS you want to talk because they yeah. just look at you like, what are you talking about with all your awesome words like, you know, authenticity and leverage, you know, <laughs> just teach me how to edit and tell me why making stories is cool. So it's been an interesting journey, but I think the through line for me is where my gut is at right now. It's like, I want to know how to create stories that I can do all myself and collaborate with others, but I'm not hanging out for someone to do anything for me. I'll write it, I'll produce it, I'll make the own graphics, I'll edit it, and I'll learn how to market it. Yeah. And I might not do that successfully, but I'm willing to, you know, there's qualitative and quantitative. I'll go the quantitative. There's room for everyone, right? So there's people who are just quality driven. I want to be, I'll, I'll make more than you. <laughs> I think there's a big argument actually that's been proven about creativity and quality versus quantity. They took uh, a year of um, pottery students and they split them into two groups and they asked one of the groups to spend six months um, working on one piece of art that would be their piece. Mm -hmm. And then the other group, they asked them to make as much and as fast and the interesting thing was that that was the group that started, um, you know, the first lots were really, really bad. And it started to improve and improved. And then they just hit this stride. And um, there's a lot of people out there who are doing everydays or dailies. Yeah. And that's just about producing work and getting that stride. And it's never, it's, it's not meant to be the best you can do. It's about just practicing. And, and, and that teaches you so many more lessons. Hell yeah. It just, it just sounds logical too. Yeah. You know, but again, it asks you to ask yourself, like the people that ask Greg what their kids should do. The response is also, what do you want to do? Do you want to grind it out every day because it makes you happy? Or do you want to grind it out because you think it's the right thing to do? It's most likely somewhere in the middle. But if you don't want to be a doctor and you're waking up every morning practicing your stitches, that sucks. But if you want to be a doctor, that's awesome. It's the same for me with editing. I'll sit down at night and I'll edit my daily stuff if, if that's what's on the go. And I, I enjoy it f- because I get to watch the story again. I, I like cutting to the music. I, I get a buzz. So it's like, for me, yeah. that's not everyone's jam, but isn't that the beauty of this whole business is that there's everything and nothing for you. Yeah, yeah, totally. I um, I love what I do, and I also find what I do really, really taxing at times. Mm. But <laughs> to be almost two decades in and still find myself lost in the process yeah. and, and just kind of um, engaged and energized, I'm thinking that, yeah, it's it's been the right choice for me. Personally. How did you come up with that? You wanted to be an editor. You've, I mean, you're not an editor. Well, because well, you, know, you thing- probably answered this in episode seven. No, <laughs> uh, I haven't really gone into my full career, and I have to get you back on. And or maybe we we, we do this. So my my um, I studied computer graphic design at Wanganui. Um, at the time, was the best design school in New Zealand um, by far. And after I graduated, um, we had our showings and we had industry come along and uh, one of the attendees was TVNZ 
and um, it was the person who ran the graphics. So that same department that you're talking about. Is that James Brown? No, James was oh. actually a good mate of mine. Oh, he is the first, <laughs> he is the one who employed me at TVNZ. Right. <laughs> now this was um, Margaret Hannay and um, yeah, she was the manager back then and uh, she offered me a job after my third year graduation. So she saw my work and said, would you like to work? And I was like, yes, that'd be great. In the back of my head, I was like, no, I want to go back for a fourth year to do 3D animation. So um, I went and I did the two weeks over the holidays and said, yeah, thank you, but I'm going to go back and study and love to keep this relationship going, never burn a bridge. And she's like, yeah, sure, awesome, keep in touch. And so I was like, holidays came up at the end of the year because it was a mid-year intake. Hey, got any jobs going for a student who's eager and keen? And they're like, yeah, we know you, sweet as. So my holiday job was working at one of the largest broadcasters <laughs> That's in awesome. New Zealand. Awesome. That beats my <laughs> mini putt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got free ice creams. No, nothing beats free ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but um, I, I really understand what you feel at those places. There were people who stuck around for a long time. Mm. And I got in there and I had all these skills once I'd done my fourth year year and specializing in 3d animation and um, character animation and decided that if i was going to make it holding out for five to ten years to get the role i wanted wasn't going to be the best way and a job came up at a post facility and i um, jumped into it um nervous as heck and just yeah had to do a lot that probably would have been more for an intermediate senior role Mm. so i had a lot of failures but they weren't failures they were actually part of me learning and going Life life still continues on, even when you think that it's it's gone to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. It's you, you know tomorrow there's going to be another project, and in a month everyone's going to move on. And you know if you if you still you know put put your chin up, take it on the shoulder, and keep moving forward. Yeah. People respect that. Yeah. Hmm. yeah so um, that was a four year gig, and then. Those facilities were very much about having dedicated workflows where you'd have an offline editor, an online editor, a colorist, um, visual effects, cleanup, motion graphics. I had way too many interests to be stuck in just the motion design 3D chair. And a role came up at an agency because that was when agencies started to look at setting up their own shops. Mm. And I turned up and they're like, so we're looking for an editor. Can you edit? And I was like, no. Other guys at work do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually think you don't need an editor. You need a motion designer who can learn to edit. And I'm that guy. And so they're like, okay, we'll um, we'll give you an opportunity to show us what you can do. So they actually came to the company that I was working at and briefed in a job for me to work on for two weeks so that they could basically see if I was going to work out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, they paid my previous employees to do a road test with me. And so with that yeah. under belt, yeah, um, I got the job. And I had, um, yeah, they got an Apple certified trainer in for a couple of days to teach me how to use Final Cut Pro, the classic one. And then I um, basically just put my head into learning how to edit and understand storytelling and then did the same for color grading did the same for visual effects did the same for audio did the same for lots of different roles because it was the opportunity to have multiple disciplines under one roof Mm. and it's that um jack of all trades master of none uh I i think it's it's um you can't start out as a master of everything but if you chip away at disciplines and you actually really dedicate yourself to learning you can become solid across multiples Mm. I don't think that you'll ever be as 
leading masterful whatever you want to call it as one person but I think that that skill set and mm. that attitude is really important today so um, that's my story cool awesome. can we just say quickly that it sound, you know talk about what you just said and put the dad hat on yeah. it's pretty much the same eh? yeah yeah totally and that's why it's kind of cool you know because yeah. sometimes it feels like work sometimes you just put in all the hours and it doesn't work and you learn by fire but like I'm happy life is like that, you yeah. know, because we are lucky to come from a place like New Zealand where there's options. You know, there's a lot to navigate before you find your job. You've got to feel, what do I want to do? Can I do it? Is it possible? Mm. What's the surroundings, you know? And, like, it's just so much to navigate, and we're still navigating, and it's, so it's pretty amazing. Can I just say, William, that was a beautiful segue. Thank you. Nice, nice <laughs> looping us back. <laughs> I um, I totally agree. It's um, the, that how I feel about my career is how I feel about fatherhood is like I am going to make lots of mistakes, but owning them and yeah, and, growing. And, yeah, I mean, and, and as cliche as it sounds, it's that idea that um, failure is not in the falling down, but the refusing to get back up again. You know, yeah. we're going. Bruce fall. Wayne said that. Why? Why do we get up, Mr. Wayne? No, that was Alfred. <laughs> no, that was his dad. Anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> but, it, but but it is true. It's just like how often do we let do we let the world tell us that the fact that we've fallen and we've scraped our knees and stuff is reason to give up? And it's like, you know, it, it sounds incredibly trite. It's in, it sounds incredibly cliche, but it's so so incredibly true. Yeah, that you know, it's actually it's it's that face down in the puddle moment where you go, no, 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 I've just had enough. I'm just going to stay here. Um. And yeah, I, I guess you just you look back and go, man, shucks, I learned some stuff. I learned some stuff getting back up. You know, I, I would have never have learned this or that or the other thing. Should those things never have happened? And I think when you get to that point where you you can get your sort of your brain wide into that view of failure, and um, I think it's a really fascinating thing as well because this whole gig, this whole kind of video production, what have you, it's something that. Um, is it's it's a life like we've said it's a lifestyle choice and it beca- it can become a really really central thread of your identity yeah um which can be both a good and a bad thing because i know plenty of guys that work in the industry and they define themselves by the fact that i am a dot 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 i am a dot 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 so you know when technology and um audiences attitude to content changes and you know you end up in the situation you did where this this sort of this requirement to be this wear these many hats and you don't have that opportunity to to have that business card that says you do this and this is who you are um it's also interesting to to know or to see how that attitude um impacts on how we deal with failure you know i am a dot 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 therefore when i fail that's the end of the world um and i just think it's yeah it's it's really important that we can look back on those failures both professionally and in parenting and in life in general and go actually our failures don't define who we are that, that, that we're not you know just because I, I you know I messed up that shot or I didn't get that audio or I, I missed that opportunity to produce X or Y or Z or I didn't get that quite right that doesn't it doesn't change that mm. you know yeah I um, I definitely do know what you're saying because I feel that if I'm not reflecting on it and understanding where it didn't work then I can't grow from it mm. and and actually actioning something. So with work, um, there was a particular project that I was editing, 
but I didn't have enough guidance on where it needed to be. But I ha- hadn't had experience in that area, that style um, of editing. And so kind of wafting around for a while mm. and sort of taking a more technical approach to the cut rather than the emotional w- which needed to drive it. So basically there was somebody else that was brought in to help and sort of guide it and so um, that really helped me on that particular um, job. It still turned out amazing but it just wasn't amazing because I owned it and did it all myself. Mm. It's because I needed help with it and I think that's mm. a big part is actually putting your hand up sometimes and saying I do need help and not being afraid to ask. Well, and also you will have learned that lesson and taken it into other parts of your life, but life's not fair like that. It doesn't say, hey, this is when you you know had that moment. Like that happened to me the other day with Greg. Everyone was laughing about my email inbox because I'm meticulous with my email inbox. I got folders, subfolders, subfolders of folders. And everyone was like, oh, that's amazing. But how long does it take you to set all that up? And I said, oh, I chip away at it. And Greg actually highlighted, he said, oh, that's your editing brain, not wanting to lose footage. <laughs> and it totally is. It yeah. totally is. I take it as serious as that, you know, back when it was the tape being recorded from the satellite. Now it's an SD card. It's like, if, you know, every person who's ever pushed record on a camera knows what it's like to lose your footage, you know, yep. and it's that sinking feeling of making that call or, hey, dude, I, I ballsed it up or I didn't turn the mic on or something. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, I feel like that's all you're trying to do, particularly in the creative industry, is like prep all your stuff so when it's time to push record, everyone's good to go. Yeah. You know? I, I'm And just I'm, I'm, my, my segue is not going to be quite as tidy as Will's, but just picking up on what you said before about um, you know putting your hand up and asking for help, I think that that's one of the things that the the whole rad dad thing is 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 wanting to normalise as well is that idea that um, you know what um, those little critters that are are your kids you're going to have your best you know best stab at trying to shape them and mould them and kind of have them turn out as functional human beings, but. Um, it's a story I like to tell a lot just because it was a really, really prevalent moment for me. I remember putting my daughter down, my eldest daughter, um, I've got more than one child, um, down to sleep and just looking at her going, oh, this is not, it's not my, it's not actually my job to protect you. It's my job to give you the tools and the resources in the toolbox to kind of understand as best as possible the myriad of things that are going to happen to you that is beyond my control. And I think in that parenting realm, so often we kind of beat ourselves up and hold ourselves accountable for something that had very little to do with us, had very little to do with um, the decisions that we'd made as people, the decisions that we'd made as parents, yet somehow we decide that um, the the day after that happens and the week after that happens, our kids are going to suffer because we can't disconnect ourselves from the fact that actually life is a incredibly big thing that a lot of mysterious and weird and wonderful and sometimes painful things are going to happen and so when you begin to think about failure and asking for help within that context it's really it's really empowering to know well actually if i have to ask for help it doesn't have any reflection on me as a a person or a sense of incompetence that i have as a parent it's just simply me acknowledging that life's a heck of a lot bigger than i am um, and I guess that's a, you know, again, whether it's professionally, whether it's within the parenting realm, that's one thing that we really want to be able to promote and push is, is that ask for help, get get their hand up and know that it's not 
it's not a direct reflection on you. It's simply acknowledging that, you know, life is bigger than you. Yeah, totally. I think um, being comfortable asking for that um, from others, often it's interesting to hear the different responses that come back from people. Mm. It might be... Um, my my son has a lot of had a lot of issues of being unwell, and it's kind of like um you know little kids get sick a lot, but it was a lot a lot, and it's really hard you know when you've got a um, three year old who's constantly sick and waking during the night, and then you've got to go to work and you you feel guilty because you're short tempered and it's not their fault. Anyway, if you ask ask people at work, or um, well, this is the situation, you know, there's so many different answers that come back. Oh, you should try and cut out um, gluten. You need to go to this osteopath. You need to go to this person. You need to um, vitamin C supplement. <laughs> Everyone has a different approach, and it's the same as I find with the career, my career. There's so much so much input that comes from so many different people. You have to like be happy with what you take on board for yourself yeah. and what you engage with. And people don't focus in on what it is that makes you happy enough. You just get suited to now you're the 3D guy. Now you're the editor. But you know, I've spent most of my 30s trying to think what is it that I just enjoy doing and how the heck can I do that all the time? You know, and I think that's what Rad Dads is. It's like, ultimately, we want to get paid to make videos about fatherhood. Yeah. You know, and so when we're sitting down with the then Prime Minister Bill English and Greg says his story about his daughter and the PM goes, oh, yeah, that's a pretty interesting point. Yeah. I'm like, cool, we've done it. We've offered value in the video space because everyone always asks them what Winston's doing <laughs> and no one asks those questions, you know. Yeah. But that's where it Take what's important to you, work out what it is you kind of have abilities for, you know, like to don't underestimate that. Some people can sit down and remember a whole song. My 11-year-old can do that. He mem- he can't do times table, but he can memorize whole songs. And I'm like, I've just got to help him navigate so he can find that area where when he's the best in the room at that, that is going to be his superpower, you know? And too yeah. many of us don't. We just think... Oh, cheapest times table and then I can be an accountant and I can yeah. buy a million dollar house and I'll spend the rest of my life paying it off you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to make a point you were going to say I totally have lost that point when the editor would cut this bit <laughs> or <laughs> leave it in depending how authentic yeah, yeah. you authentic, want to be yeah. I'm very authentic <laughs> that, that's um, me being lazy anyway <laughs> I did want to ask you guys about the type of content that you're creating, which is a lot of interviews um, and different interview spaces and just kind of get an understanding of the the planning and the prep, you know, when you've got the Prime Minister or you've got another um, quite high-profile person like Mike McRoberts. Um, and then the reality of, like, you do your planning and your prep, you turn up, and then it's like, okay, well, what sort of cameras, what sort of lights, how much time you got to even set up? What's, what does that process look like for you guys? Fly by the seat of your pants. Yep. No. Um, <laughs> oh, it's real production. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that we have learned in part of um, – so dialing the Rad Dad story back a, a fraction, we actually did a series of podcasts um, initially and – that was really interesting because if you talk about production and things to consider within the production space, we actually had this ridiculous idea that um, getting a truck and doing uh, an on-the-fly podcast in the back of the truck, taking a high-profile dad for 
something to eat because we kind of forget trucks were a yeah, cool bit of fun. We like to talk about cars, um, food. It kind of puts everybody at ease. And it was it was interesting how that was the evolution of how we approached interviews. And I think one of the key points, and I'm you know, we'll chime in as well, but context is really important. Um, obviously, when we interviewed the Prime Minister, that was slightly weird um, in that, you know, it had absolutely hiffed down with rain. I ride a scooter. I'd got completely soaked. The only place I could find to get change was in the countdown bathroom, which I've never, up until that day, never used the bathroom in the supermarket. <laughs> um, and we go up to the ninth floor of this building and it's in an empty floor plate. And we kind of, that was very much just a roll with the punches. Um, we were working with, um, in conjunction with a, uh, a crew from an, another media outlet and um, it was a cool space um, and it was just simply practical because it sort of, it, it looked cool. It, it had taken, um, I guess, it, it took, depoliticized um, the interview a little bit because it wasn't anywhere particular. You couldn't draw any conclusions as to um, any subliminal messaging that we were trying to sort of fold into, into that. And it was just, it was very, just it was what it was. Um, converse, conversely, when we were um, able to get in uh, to Mike McRoberts' house to have a chat with him, I think it was really important that we had the opportunity to go uh, beyond the new set. You know, it would have been... Even a, 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 and it's, it sounds it sounds pretty straightforward. It sounds like common sense, but the interview that we would have done with him at TV three in the green room was a very different interview to what we would have done or what we did do with him at home in his kitchen by the barbecue. Yeah. Um, and I think that just for us, what we're trying to do is actively break down barriers. So if we can talk to people in their environment, on their terms, and in, in as relaxed a fashion as possible, especially around things like fatherhood, um, that's when we're going to get the best results. Mm. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed, guys, that you didn't bring in your um, denim jackets today. Well, the denim shirt you could have just lied and said, hey, nice denim jackets, lads, <laughs> and we would have gone... <laughs> Uh, that's true. Yeah, well, I will have all the posts for um, Rad Dad's Facebook yeah. and um, and the videos, especially. I, I I really do love the content that you're making because it's real Thanks, and, man. and it's engaging. Yeah, well, it's nice to hear that from other humans. Like we <laughs> obviously can feel it with the like buttons and all that stuff, but that's the bit, right? Is that most often I'll cut something and Greg will look at it and we'll show both of our wives and we'll say, "Oh, that was pretty cool," but you know, in all honesty, you're dealing. Up until recently, we were dealing with too many outside agendas. So, for example, Greg's talking about that thing with Bill English, but there's still so many things out of your control. Like our recent push is we'll film it ourselves because yep. then we know what we have and don't have. And it's kind of largely based off the production models of some of the big YouTubers, some of the big daily vloggers, you know, that it has to incorporate them and and there's this weird space where we went to visit a company in uh, Wellington called PowerShop who are sponsoring a couple videos for us um, coming up so stay Stay tuned tuned. Uh, (laughs) but we vlog that day so we made a piece of content about our meeting with them and then we're going to make another bit of content about the fruits of that meeting and I started thinking and both Greg and I are like wait let's make content about the content and while we're there talk to the dads Oh, it's Inception, mate. It is, but it's like Deception. It's uh, it's weird because you know people are like, I don't know what to film. 
Yeah. And the true answer is like, film it all. Yeah. And natural attrition will, you just can't be bothered with that. Or you're really excited. And, you know, like I brought my rig today and I got a rig in my pocket. And, you know, it's like, it's there. It's there yeah. for the taking. The interesting bit I wonder is where this industry goes in terms of, is there two teams building? One team, which is like, I do it all myself. And the other team, which is like, I've got an online editor, an offline editor, a colorist, and we're way better than you. I don't know. I hope those two can merge to say it's the quantitative, quality, quantitative, you know? And I, I mean, important. I think that to that point and also and to a number of the other points that we've spoken about is, is I think one thing that we're really trying to be acutely aware of is um, just where the value is in the content. Um, it doesn't matter how big a budget or how small a budget it is, whether it's shot on an iPhone or whether it's shot on a Ari or a Red or whatever. Um, there has to be an intrinsic value to the person that's viewing the content or participating or engaging with it. And if you don't have a sense of where that value lies, you're going to fail every time and you're yeah. going to miss the boat. And I think that's possibly uh, what's shifting. There's an assumed value or there is a, there is a culture that has said that there's an assumed value around beautiful cinematography and um, awesome lighting and all the rest of it that goes with that, which I, having come from that world, I can completely appreciate because I know the, the the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into producing that. But if I don't, as a viewer, have an intrinsic uh, emotional attachment to that as a sense of where my my value or or the value I perceive in that content is, I'm not going to care. I, I really I really don't. And so I think that was that was the the, the space that we ended up was. We actually had the epiphany one day when we went, shucks, this whole Red Dads sort of gig is really the story of two dads that went, we're going to get over our fear of asking questions that seem impossible um, about going to go and talk to people who seem inaccessible and heaven forbid, people might say yes and they might actually allow us to do half of these things. And so the value that I know that a lot of our viewers get out of our content is simply they want to they want to know what that process is like they want to know what it's like when we get and and believe you me we feel incredibly privileged to have been in the position where we've been flying to Wellington to talk to dads about fatherhood yeah you know and it's like people just want to know what that's like and that could have been shot on our iPhone it could have been shot on a DSLR it doesn't. It doesn't need to be because anything other than what it is, because the value is already there. And I think as content producers, that would be the single biggest thing that I would say to any of. Because I also work in education now as well. I'd say that any of our students is understand and know where your audience sees the value in what you produce. And if you can nail that, you'll nail it every time. Yeah, uh, so many good points there. The the value of the content and um, that you've been producing, I've I felt um, there's a really there's a value in almost not adding all these extra layers of um, beauty, because I feel like sometimes you lose the authenticity of what's been produced and said. So if I'm if I'm seeing someone who's actually speaking from their heart as a father. Having um, a beautiful set made up with um, you know kinos and lit perfectly, it, it feels like it's produced mm. rather than having that shot. The shots that um, 
feel real, feel raw, feel like you know mistakes because some of them are. <laughs> I, I did. I did see a, maybe one or two oh, shots mate, over the blog. Plenty in there. <laughs> uh, we had one shoot with Lance O'Sullivan, and. <laughs> bloody camera turned off halfway through so his big bit we did his in Māori prayer for us was all cut off his forehead <laughs> but again what do you do you got yeah. two options post it or don't yeah and I'm like they'll forgive me that's a that's an interesting interview that one that's where you guys were in bed with him was that's it? true <laughs> yep that's true we, we may or may not have ordered room service on his room <laughs> <laughs> no nah, man that was it I'm, I'm forgiving ca- I love the idea that I can push the boundary when I'm with cameras. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you can get into places, you start recording, you can do things, you can be cheeky. And at the end of it, you can blame it all. You can just say sorry. You know, I'm not kind of going to the jackass area, but like I did order a pizza on Lance O'Sullivan's account and I paid for it. <laughs> but I ordered it first, you know, so... Yeah. And yeah. ate it in his bed. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he doesn't eat beetroot. <laughs> he was okay with it, I think. You know, he was cool. Look, his one went into, I don't know how deep we want to go, but he was talking about uh, some of the more darker sides to parenthood. You know, like, what is it like if you do make a big mistake, mm. like hitting your kid, you know, which is, you know, we're pretty good at brushing that stuff away because we want to focus on the goodness and most of us hopefully can control that hulk but look that is part of this acknowledgement of fatherhood it's what we're into for me rad dads represents uh not just the good it's the 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 bad stuff as well (laughs) it is the sleepless nights it's the nappy changes it's the frustration it's being with your wife for ages and still making an effort with each other you know when the world's passing you by and anything's available on the internet so it's like i i don't know how but for me that somehow ties into my career that you make the sacrifice which isn't really a sacrifice, but it kind of sometimes feels like it because whenever I announce out partying and boozing and all that stuff, you're not. And I think you've even said it to me, bro, when I said, do you want to come catch up for dad's lunch? And you were like, oh, dude, I'd love to, but I'm looking after the kids. And it's like, we need more of those moments in the rest of our lives where I can't argue with that. And I, I didn't. <laughs> I just said, sweet, next time. But if it's work, you're like, oh, can you get out of it? Can you come down to the pub and have a beer? And all of a sudden it confuses our minds. I'm like, I feel like we're moving into a space, though, that is like, do what you love. If that's part of your family, then incorporate that, you know, take your kids to work. If if they don't want them there, find a new place to work, you know. Have, if, if you, I'm not good enough for you, then sorry, I don't want to be part of your thing. And that's how I film, too. I'm like, don't want to be part of it? Sweet, I'll move on. Yeah. I don't have to be your cup of tea. Just there's enough out there for everyone. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. And um, with that, I would like to segue um, like um, a rhino hitting a brick wall. <laughs> it's beautiful. Into the Pro Video Picks. And now it's time for the Pro Video Picks. So, Greg, what would yours be? The amount of times that I have been saved by archive.org is your best friend, um, especially for low-budget, uh, no-budget shooting, um, when you've got access to such an incredible array of online royalty-free archive footage, it is absolutely a lifesaver when you've had to drop scenes or you need workarounds or you need 
um, things to cover your backside. Um, archive.org has been a lifesaver on many occasions. Awesome. That's really, really good. Will. Can I choose three or just one? No, you what can have three. three. Well, there'll be quick ones. So one is you. You're the most important thing. You have to leverage every ounce of whatever you've got. You are the pro video pick. And if it's not you or what you like, then you've got to f- move on. You've got to find something because you just can't sustain that. Because there's not the money or fat around anymore. You used to be able to have a career and build a house. And that sustained the stinkness. But that doesn't even exist anymore. So all we're trading in is you. Uh, second thing I would say is probably well, a toss-up. But I'd say uh, Adobe. I'd get into the Adobe area. Um Premiere Pro, Photoshop, uh, you know, Audacity. Is it Audacity? Audition. Audition. Um, because the best thing I like is they will talk to each other. So we're talking about probably times in the evening or early morning away from your other work when you're making your passion projects and every second counts. Um, and third would be YouTube because you can find free assets that are legit free. So there's free music on there that you can monetize. Um, there's obviously tutorials. And there's just like inspiration, you know. You'll have to cross that bridge for yourself regarding how far up and down the ladder you are on the training and mentorship. But simply for inspiration, wow. You know, yeah. like I have this weird thing at the time at, well, I've just realized it's a weird tick that when I'm writing an important creative email, I go on YouTube and I listen to the Baywatch theme. <laughs> and it's like three minutes where it triggers my brain to focus. I've got three minutes to write an email. Some people stare in the darkness. And that's me on the computer writing. And it's, it's hitting. It's hitting. I'm getting, I'm getting returns on my emails. Doing it. Doing it. I'll just real quick throw in one other um, pro video pick, just because, you know, Will went all, uh, you know, philosophical as well. I just have to throw in um, the, the art of asking a good question. I think it's something that we often miss is that the pro video pick would be um, yeah where where a good question can take you yeah learn learn how to ask questions learn how to listen learn how to know yeah learn, yeah let, let let questions open doors yeah um, rather than to try and hammer them open on your own terms oh, I want to change mine now <laughs> no no too late okay, so on. Nice. we'll be here all day <laughs> um, pro video picked 17 <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's um, really really awesome Greg because uh, being on a podcast interviewing it's all about the right questions the next mm-hmm. questions um, you know is, is it a question that you already had pre-thought or you going and uh, you know picking up and you will told me this one you know listening to what a guest is saying hell yeah as I'm doing just now and then picking that <laughs> up and moving on with it you know that that might be a more rich rewarding um, stream of thought um, discussion to go down mm. yeah I think you're bang on you know whatever you're applying those questions to Greg and the worst thing that people can say is no yeah and that's not the end of the world and I think when you finally wrap your head around the fact that there's no I had a sales manager once in a job that I never liked and if I if I if he gave me one thing he said to me there's um, there's never a question you can't ask and the worst case is worst case scenario is always going to be they say no yeah and yeah. so at the end of the day if you can get over that you're, you're winning yeah, totally. Uh, my pro video pick is um, is software just for the listeners for this week. So it's VLC for PC. Um, moving to PC um, at the start of this year, 
It's been a bit of a sucky one for playing videos. Um, VLC is awesome because it plays multiple videos um, rather than other ones that only play one at a time. The thing that I want to point out, though, and I've only just come across this, is I was wondering, uh, the image was basically looking washed out, and we've got NVIDIA drivers for our um, graphics cards. I found that you actually have to go into the NVIDIA settings and make sure that you um, set the dynamic range from the default, which is 16 to 233, back to zero to 255 why they've got it set to that i don't know but yeah when china um, executive creative director has recently graded content he's like it's looking washed out what's that about that that suddenly (laughs) made me look into this this week (laughs) it's awesome so yeah there's my pro video pick um and who do you guys follow online do you have any um people that the audience might be interested in following as well uh, personally, for me, um, huge Casey Neistat fan on YouTube, fun for Louie, or any of those daily vloggers. I love the grind. I love the fact that they talk about that they have to come up with an idea. It's really inspiring for me. Cool. It's confusing also because you try it and you don't get the millions of views. <laughs> so you, you know, mope around. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I've got a catalog of a few hundred videos that I've uploaded that I can go back and sometimes watch. And I'm like, you know, it wasn't, I see what I was trying to do, but it now frames my mind into what I'm doing now. Nice. Um, so they're basically the, I actually, can I just quickly say, um, <laughs> sure you can, Will. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> I said to my kids one day, I said, why do you like PewDiePie? Because I don't get it, you know? And they said, well, why do you like Tom Cruise? I was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, PewDiePie talks to us. Tom Cruise talks at you. He shows you interesting things. But our guy doesn't cut away, doesn't do anything. He just talks to us. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Oh, smart little guys, yeah, eh? Know, know, know your audience and connect. And yeah. then, um, you know, you've got a smart audience like your children, they'll connect back. Yeah. <laughs> just saying, I, I don't mind Tom Cruise. Not that much of a fan of Scientology. Oh. We, we know where we you live well. <laughs> <laughs> we don't go into politics or religion here. Let's, let's move on. Great. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, 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 share, I share Will's um, enjoyment of uh, Casey Neistat's stuff. I think uh, what, I, what I, I love is the craft meeting culture, I, just because I also like alliteration and there's two C words used in the sentence together. <laughs> Gary V. Um, yeah, no, and Gary V would be another one. Um, uh, I think... He's he's a fascinating watch in that um, it's really easy to let. Gary's an interesting one because you consume his content at a surface level, and it can be quite polarizing. And then you get beyond the surface, and you begin to sort of unpack with a critical eye what he's trying to say, and that's when it begins to kind of come to life. And so, yeah. Gary's stuff is not necessarily stuff that you'd watch. You might need to watch two or three or four times, and you need to be get, especially from a cultural perspective, being. Um, born and bred Kiwi, this sort of brash, um, quite outlandish New York exterior doesn't always bode well with what he's saying on a surface level, but then you begin to unpack it and get behind it, and it's like, wow, okay, this is cool. Um, but, you know, guys like Sean, Dur- Sean Duris, um, just a young up-and-coming uh, YouTubers that seem to be able to own and really, really nail knowing their audience. Um uh, that that kind of that kind of stuff, I just have an, an incredible respect for, just because, um, regardless, putting aside um, all of the conventions that they may or may not be breaking from a production standpoint, and all of the editors and 
production people who are literally cringing uh, shot by shot by shot, um, they make it work and they have a following. And, and again, I guess it's that whole idea of you can't be too comf- can't get so comfortable that you're not prepared to change it up and respond to what people are wanting. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome pick. Um, okay, my um, who do I follow this week is Brograph. Um, I've mentioned them a lot of times on the show. Um, I'm a huge fan. Um, also because they're a huge support of the Pro Video podcast. I love their podcasters working in the same field, supporting each other and shouting out to each other. So thanks so much, Matt and Dave. And um, um, the reason I'm putting this under who do I follow online is because they've got a new Slack group. And um, the, it's been awesome to see that. I've been on there a heap this week and really enjoying chatting with Liam as well and um, the whole team at Brograph. So thanks, guys. Um, yeah. Just loving that there's the podcast community that's got strength together. So big shout out to you boys. And um, finally, where can the listeners follow you guys? Where's the best place? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash raddadsnz would be uh, the best place. We're looking, obviously, at exploring other platforms as they come up, but trying to, I guess, um, work to the mantra of do each of them well. Awesome. And sort of... Yeah, work through them one at a time. So get on there, give us a like, and uh, no doubt you'll stay across any updates that may or may not happen. Yeah, and check out the videos. Uh, There's a wide variety of guests that you've interviewed, Mm. and there's lots of little nuggets of knowledge and thoughts. And yeah, um, like I said before, not all of it is, you know, you're not going to take away everything as gospel, but it's really good to hear these conversations and these subjects being spoken about for you to confirm your own thoughts and feelings. Mm. True that, bro. Absolutely. That's a great pitch. Can we borrow this bit of audio? Oh, go for it, mate. Go <laughs> for it. <laughs> thank you both so much for being on the show. Had an absolute ball having you both here today. So thank you, Will. Uh, pleasure, brother. It's awesome. And just keep keep doing you and just keep smashing it. You know, like I personally know for you, Again, I'll say to reveal to your audience, you put in the hours, you know, (laughs) and that's through the worry as well. And of course, when you're on mic, you try hard to control that beast. But man, like, it's just so cool that you have a podcast where you're able to express and navigate and to see you now. Like, what episode are you at? Um, this week is releasing 29, but I've got so, a few others in the back. Right. You know, they talk about the 10,000 hours thing. You know, you're on your way to be the professional in podcasting. And and I just think that's added to your list. And that's pretty awesome. So congrats for you. Oh, thanks, bro. Thank you. And uh, Greg, thank you so much, mate, for coming in. No, thank you for having me. It's, uh, again, it's awesome. I think it's it's a fascinating world where we live in when um, something like the Pro Video book um, podcast and what we're doing in Red Desk can actually somehow seamlessly sit so close and so naturally alongside each other so it's been awesome and it's just like I say it's so encouraging when you get people from within the community and online and also I guess it's exciting um, for us or for me at least to put a face to the name and also to go actually you know we exist in this virtual world but there's actually real people that sit yeah. behind those keyboards that are typing in and sort of participating and engaging with our community so thank you so much man and and i just really yeah encourage you and your journey with your kids and um in in life and all of that stuff just flipping keep doing it and keep like will says keep doing you because uh this is great awesome thank you so much both for your kind words and um listeners out there really love you to join the facebook group for rad dads and while you're there 
join the Pro Video Podcast group yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so there'll be links to these in the show notes on, um, on the most podcatchers, but you can check out um, ProVideoPodcast.com to find those links as well. So yeah, please join the groups and share the content and share it with others and within your communities and your networks. So yeah, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time. All right, bye. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. <laughs>